Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline DeStrumps, here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where I create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits that fit your schedule and budget while making your brand stand out in front of your audience. Joining me in the studio today is Aaron Rain, Homeless Resource Coordinator for City of Mesa, and Erica Creighton, owner of Olive Branch Holistic Healthcare. Welcome. Thank you. you. Good to be here this afternoon. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, Welcome in. We, this is, I was on the drive over here. And I kind of like go, you know, think about my show notes and everything ahead of time. And normally when I start the show, I introduce each one of you. And then I say, so tell me a little bit about how you, you know, got to be where you are right now. But I kind of feel like (laughs) going over both of your you know, your journeys, Mm -hmm. that would be like a three-hour show. We'd need several more (laughs) segments. So... We will talk about that. We will be talking about both your journeys and how you've got to where you're at today. But let's just start off with um, just a short introduction, who you are, and um, and a little bit about uh, what you do. So sure. why don't we go ahead and we'll start with you, Aaron. Okay, sounds good. So I am a police officer with the city of Mesa, and I've been assigned to the city manager's office for the last two years as the homeless resource coordinator. And what that entails is uh, getting all the city departments, nonprofits, faith-based groups, everybody kind of working together on getting everybody on the same page, making sure we're all making progress to improve uh, the city's ability to meet the needs of our neighbors and the community that are experiencing homelessness. Great. I love that. And we'll talk a little bit more about how that all, all right. came together. And Erica. Um, so I'm Erica Creighton. Uh, yes, my practice is Olive Branch Holistic Healthcare. Um, I provide um, complimentary um, pain management for anybody in pain. I'm a medical massage therapist. And so I created my practice, um, in response to the opioid crisis. So, um, you know, it's a complimentary pain management so that you don't have to take, um, prescription medication. Great. Okay. So let's go back a little bit then, Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, Aaron, and let's talk a little bit about how your position came about. So was this position there something there before? Was it something that was created and you, when you're the first person in that position, how did the city of Mesa come up with this? Good question. Yeah. So basically, I'm the first person to have done this. Uh, a lot of people were doing a lot of good work at the city, but at a collateral duty to their existing functions. So I put in for a city manager internship program that they have at the city manager's office where you go up there for three months and you get given a project and you act as an executive for the city to to do this project. And uh, I wanted to work on homelessness. At the time, I was uh, on our mental health unit for the police department where I dealt with people in crisis, whether they be suicidal um, or on court-ordered mental health treatment. So I had a lot of experience dealing with, with our homeless population. And so... Two years later, I'm still doing it. They've created this position so that we can uh, kind of work together. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't realize it was only two years. It seems like it's... Yeah. So, <laughs> so our, our goal was to, to look at what we were doing and seeing if we could do it better. And and the reality is our judicial system has a an organic connection to the to the homeless population. And what are we getting for that at that level of connection? Uh, traditionally, it's just incarceration. Mm-hmm. So we re... We revamped our model of uh, the judicial system, particularly from the police policy and how our court works. So instead of just enforcement, 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 now the police policy is such that uh, you have outreach, uh, education, and then enforcement. So offer them services. Get them, try and get them connected. Uh, Officers actually get the same credit for connecting someone to services as they do arresting them. With that being said, there are certain situations where you have – people that are experiencing homelessness that are resistant to services. Um, and in that sense, it's really challenging to get them to engage in services. And that's where we, we develop this community court to uh, kind of leverage what they have in their past and say, hey, look, if you want to get help, we will help you. Otherwise, you have all of this over here. And when people engage and they, they follow the process and they improve their lives, we wipe their slate clean when everything's done. 
And it really has been the only tool that we've found that really gets the, the people that are in high chronicity, high recidivism, that have been homeless for a long time that don't want to change to actually accept change and accept the services. Mm-hmm. So, Erica, do we want to jump in here so and I, talk a little so, bit about, so how how do you know Erin? <laughs> so, how do I know? So, um, I was homeless for about five years, and I got pneumonia, and I had it, it was pretty bad. I was uh, in a coma for two and a half months. And so, when you're, when you are homeless, you sleep places, and so we were getting arrested for trespassing. So while I was in a coma, I had a court date that I missed. Um, and so I called the court, let them know what happened. Okay, everything's fine. I go back to court and I was facing um, jail time. Um, and so here my uh, attorney says, well, we have community court. And he says, I'm going to send you there. And so I have no idea what community court is. He really didn't either. Nobody could explain it. <laughs> Let's it was go like, take a look. Though, I think it's the third day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were pretty new at that point. Okay. Yeah. I went home. I got a new court date. And then I um, went to to community court, and there's just all the resources that, you know, you need. There's vouchers, um, the Mark Center, they provide, like, counseling therapy, and that's what I needed, transitional therapy, you know, to get back into life, you know. Um, and just any resources that you need are made available to you. So I graduated community court, and um, I had a voucher. I got, you know, my apartment. Um, Aaron helped me get my—I'm a massage therapist, my massage license back, which really helped me get back on my feet and um, get my mind, everything back together um, in a positive manner. And, um, yeah, so— I graduated and I met every, well, everyone introduces themselves at the graduations and and that's how Aaron and I started speaking. And so, you know, I try to share my story so that if people, you know, are homeless and they're questioning the process because it can be hard out there and sometimes um, officers weren't very nice or understanding. And so this program has changed that and, um, you know, if I can be someone who says, hey, look at, look at this, how this can really work. You should try it because, mm-hmm. look, it helped me. And that's that's how I know him. And that's how I'm here. And so since I'm a massage therapist, I had I met plenty of people that were homeless and they were um, addicted to drugs because of pain, because they, you know, it started from pain. Mm-hmm. And so then that's when I said, listen, I know that I can do something about this. And so that's why I created Olive Branch Holistic Healthcare to kind of help people transition. But um, not so much when you get back on your pain medication, you don't want to go right back to pain medication. That's going to put you right back in the same addictive circle. So that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Erica's being really modest. I was going to say, she, I she, kind of feel like there's more to this and I'm going to get it out of Aaron. <laughs> so yeah, Erica's, Erica's is really a story of the poster child of why we need to modify our system. Uh, you look at her now, she looks like a professional entrepreneur. You know, 18 months ago, yeah. she was living on the street and mm, yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't know that. She literally up to the point where she started experiencing homelessness was you and I, the average person yeah. with a job, the economy tanks and a series of unfortunate events gets her, you know, living on the street. There's not very many of us in society that are more than a paycheck or two away from experiencing homelessness. So she ends up getting a cheesy ticket for drinking a beer in the park, if I remember yeah. correctly. Right, yeah. And that ends up effectively was it 16 arrests over the next yeah, uh, next rough. like 5 mm-hmm. years effectively being the the the, the precipitating event that caused uh, b- because of guess what she's homeless she's not going to have money to pay fine so the fine is going to turn mm-hmm. into a warrant she's going to miss court because she doesn't have a, a file cabinet to keep all of her documents in right and so it, the, the system was just pushing her further and further down and, and I don't know if she's okay with me mentioned yeah, about the car accident the book. It's fine. Um, <laughs> she, she was hit by a car at one point and, right. and gravely injured and mm-hmm. I, I actually i don't know if i've told you this but i actually remember that call and oh, really? i was I, I i wasn't on yeah. the call specifically but we all thought you were gonna gonna die yeah, it was it was really serious mm-hmm. and then over the next few years she's recovering from this and after graduating court she's one of those people that all you had to do is just get out of her way she didn't have to really motivate her to but once she had a voucher and had a place to be, had an apartment, it was just a matter of months before two or three months. She's working full time, supporting herself. But for three years, medically, she was suffering and trying to get over these things and trying to heal. But living on the street, that's not possible. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and now she's she's got this nonprofit where she's helping people. And literally 18 months ago, people drive by her and discount her as as just another homeless person. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when you look at what we're trying to do in Mesa and work with our partners like Erica, it really is just try and do something different because what we were doing in the past just wasn't working. Right. The judicial system was having all of these these contacts with people. And what was the, what was the end result? If, if someone gets arrested for shoplifting because they're addicted to opiates and they're homeless, what's going to happen when they get released? Mm-hmm. They're going to steal again, right? Right. right. They're That's hungry the and they have to feed their addiction. So the, the one-size-fits-all, $500 fine, year probation just does not work in this situation. So with community court, what the city tried to, tried to do was create a, a person-centric uh, solution. So with Erica, it was very easy. For someone that's that's addicted to to opiates and that has a long long history, it's it's a different path. So everybody has a different path because guess what? Everybody has a different path into homelessness. Um, so the path out needs to be adjusted to that person. So if you're addicted to opiates and you shoplift, normally you would just do this five hundred dollar fine and and maybe maybe a probation. But now we're going to have you do a mental health assessment. We're going to have you do mm-hmm. a uh, drug assessment, so and, and exactly, and we're, really we're trying to figure out what the underlying mm-hmm. problem is. And if we can work together on getting the underlying problem resolved, right, all of a sudden everything else starts falling into place. Yeah, and I imagine there's times where those underlying problems nobody realized that they were there, not even the person that is being helped. And it's another step Absolutely. in that direction mm-hmm. of Absolutely. getting them the resources that they need that maybe they didn't even know that they needed. Prior, yeah. it's one thing to walk by and hand out a pamphlet and say, "Oh, here's some resources. Help yourself, you know, mm-hmm. out of the situation." But this is providing a way for um, for that to be, for them to even realize what right. what not only what the resources are, but why and how they can be helpful mm-hmm. to them. And that's why I share the story that I share because. Seeing an example makes a difference. Right. Um, so I do hand out a pamphlet. It's starting points, but it, I was inspired from, you know, what Aaron does because I'm just going to be honest, giving me $20 or $50 when I was on the streets wasn't going to get me off the streets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that little bit of money may help make the day a little bit better, but it's not going to, you know, substantially help the situation. Um, so the pamphlet I hand out is starting points of, from being homeless so that people know there is a place that you can go and, you know, everyone can get a phone, you can call this number, and then they'll meet you where, the, where you're at. They'll meet right. you at the park. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, there's outreaches that, that um, the communities do. You can go to the outreach and, you know, we try to be a part of all of that stuff, my husband and I, you know, so that people know, they know us because we were there too. And so they, they understand that it's possible. Because it's that sense of needing that trust, too, because maybe they're in that situation that they're in because they trusted the wrong person in the past, and they just feel like they don't know who they can trust now. Mm -hmm. Well, there's there's that, and then you have forever law enforcement's role has been arrest them, Mm -hmm. and they didn't really have a toolbox of services to provide. And so like Erica was just talking about, her and her her husband Carlton have come out to our, our outreach operations. The police department on a monthly and sometimes quarterly basis goes out contacts our, our friends experiencing homelessness and offer some services. We have bike lights, food kits. Mm-hmm. We have Circle the City and a lot of our community partners that help them uh, rebuild their lives. But Erica going out with the lived experience and her husband with the lived experiences that they have in their life have a credibility and an ability to connect with our community partners and our, and our friends that are experiencing homelessness far better than me with my gun and my badge, mm-hmm. right? So, it's been a path for us to build that bridge, and off and and officers are are far better at it now. And the community, the population, the homeless population is getting more receptive as we've been doing this longer and longer. And they realize that we're not just there to arrest them. That if you do want help, we will give mm-hmm. it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important, and and all the connections, like Aaron was saying, are important. Us too, you know, my husband and I, because we've been there, but also seeing. And us knowing what the resources are so that we can tell people, you know, you can go here. I don't know how many people that I've been able to help just because I know someone's number. Mm -hmm. Or, yes, I know an advocate that can come and help you at your court date. Or, you know what I mean? Just little things that because people are afraid um, to move to the next step um, and go forward in their Mm -hmm. lives because maybe they have a warrant or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so they won't move forward. So they'll stay in the situation that they're at. And it's 
because maybe they're afraid or but but there's nothing to fear because resources are there to help you and mm-hmm. so you know it's good that we all work together because we can express yeah. that you know that and you had mentioned so you just happened to have an attorney who knew about this community court and it was in its oh, yeah. infancy how do um how does everyone find out about community court now that's a good question so so basically the way it works is uh, at the front end officers on calls, see a person that's in need. And so currently we have about uh, the first year we did this and we're, we started July 1st or 2nd of 2018. And so the first year we had five, 625 people cited into community court because the officer sees this person's in need and they recognize it to be better off getting them connected to services instead of the traditional incarceration adjudication model. So the officer cites them in Or an attorney, like in Erica's case, can say, you know what, you'd be better suited with services as opposed to incarceration. And so when they get there, they get connected to a a navigator. In her case, I believe it was Selena, if I remember correctly. Yes, Selena was. uh, From the Mark Center. Mm -hmm. And and we have Ashley from Community Bridges. And they they bring a lived experience that makes uh, it a lot easier because they're a mentor that helps them walk through the process. Mm -hmm. Because it's not easy exiting homelessness. There's a lot of bureaucratic red Mm -hmm. tape. And they're like human GPSs that can kind of walk the process mm-hmm. with them and help them circumnavigate. So officers cite them in. And so within the first year, there was 625 people in process, Erica being one of them. And we had um, 119 people graduate. And of that 119 people, um, going back a decade, they counted for 1,536 arrests and wow. 6,700 police contacts. In the year after... 19 arrests total for the exact wow. same population. Mm-hmm. Good for you guys, that's awesome. And so, well, you're you're the one that's awesome. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you are you are who created that data. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 amazing. It's people's lives change. And, right. and and really in Erica's case, all we had to do was get out of her way. Yeah. We the system just kept pushing her farther and farther down. Um, even the process of getting her license back was uh you know, they they normally uh will give a waiver for, for new applicants. And she hadn't had her license for five years, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was about five years. And so I called down to the, the, the licensing bureau and said, hey, can you waive the fee on this? And like, no, she's been licensed before. <laughs> I, I said, I know, I get it. But she's 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 been homeless and she's got her life back. It's just like it's starting over. Mm-hmm. No, can't do it. <laughs> and so we were able to get, gather some funds and get her get it taken care of. But the gal I dealt with at the desk recognized what was happening. And she's like, I'll take care of it right now. And amazing. literally, I walk outside uh, you, and I get a text from Erica saying, hey, I just got an email saying my license has been approved. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, the gal upstairs, she's a little unpleasant. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. But, and, that and that's what ended up happening. But, but even that, like just every single step. And, and, you know, here I am with a gun and a badge standing there trying to pay somebody else's thing. And she's like, why are you trying to pay somebody else's thing? And it was like, I'm just trying to help out, yeah. right? And this is the story of their life yeah. as they're trying to get out of homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's obstacle after obstacle. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I just want to say that Aaron was right. You know, it could be you. We're all just a step away. You know, um, I was personally, I was depressed. My best friend was my grandmother. She passed, and I didn't really know. I was, I, I, I can't even explain where I was at. You know, I. Didn't know I didn't have anyone to call about that situation because who I would call had just passed. Right. So I didn't know what to do. And it just kind of made it spiraled everything for me. And so I didn't even know that I was depressed. I think until just recently I figured that out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm having positive resources around you. All that stuff plays together. Yeah. You know, it's all relative. You need to have those 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 good people around you to help you get through things like that so that you can get to the point where you can say, you know, I recognize that I'm feeling this way and um, let me talk to somebody or, you know what I mean? Those yeah. things are important yeah. too. So, you know, like again, you know, we're all just a step away. So it's important that we be there for each other. Yeah. And on that note, Erin, you had mentioned previously this being kind of a group effort. So there's a lot of different uh, moving parts and, and organizations that needed to come together and say, okay, we have an issue and we're all trying to deal with it separately. Right. How do we come together and Absolutely. and really work on this? Yeah, the city kind of let, let, uh, let, let's really break the system and put it back together because to restructure the judicial system was no easy task. The court had a lot of work to kind of reshape and it was really hard work put in by amazing people in all levels of, of this, the prosecutor's office, the court administration, 
the uh, public defender's office, the police department, in changing their policy on how to do this. And then all the all the uh, departments that have intersect doing something new because we as humans have an organic resistance to change, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody really likes to change. Right. So it, it was a lot of work. But when you think about it, people's lives, miracles are, are, are happening as, as people are getting their lives back. So was it worth it? Yeah. And the reality is it ends up being more cost-effective in many ways. Yeah. I When efficient. you were mentioning those numbers before, right, right. I was just thinking how frustrating for everybody involved when you said how many touch points with the police over 7,000? 6, 6,700. Yeah. From just 100 and, and you're, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's hundreds of dollars each yeah. contact because you're paying for the police officer, the, the the dispatcher, the police car, the radios. Our police radios are several thousand dollars each. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just it, all the expense to it. Mm-hmm. And when, when we were doing the initial analysis, we looked at people that were that were homeless and had more than five active cases. And it was roughly about 120 people. And that was 1,082 cases between them. We start adding up the time it takes to to, to adjudicate 1,082 cases, yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yeah. what, what is the net result? Right. Because on Tuesday when they get released, the same thing's going right. to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's and so true. <laughs> we were getting zero benefit from this. And so the whole point was to restructure the judicial system to be a conduit to service connection if they want it. Right. And then and for those bad actors, and there are bad actors out there that do need to be incarcerated, that they get appropriately incarcerated. And, and we're able to sift out the good ones that want to get services and that want to get their life back in order. And, and get out of their way, mm-hmm. right? Right. You talked about graduation. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what – so somebody – it's realized they're a good candidate for community court. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? How does – what does that process then look like from the time that they step in as a, uh, a candidate for a community court to what that graduation? In Erica's case, there wasn't much to do. She wanted <laughs> yeah. everything. She yeah. just wanted to get us to get out of her way. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so you, you – Go to community court. You speak to the judge. They give you a, are they called advocates or uh, navigators? Navigator, yeah. um, a, a navigator assigned to you. And then you just talk to them and they, you express what it is that you need, what you, you know, whatever's going on, um, habits, addictions, you know, abuse situations, whatever it is that, you know, you're going through. You kind of lay it out all out on the table, you know, because if you're someone who really wants help and wants to change the situation, you just got to say, hey, look, this is all, everything that I'm going through. Um, can you help me? Because mm-hmm. that's really that how you can get there. And so then your navigator just walks you through places and you go to different organizations like the Mark Center. You know, they have um, different areas that you go to, different offices mm-hmm. that you go to, and then um, you get counseling or whatever it is that you need, rehab, and you can get a voucher. Um, I had a voucher through Home through the uh, Homeless Outreach Program, actually through Tempe. Um, but they're, you know, everyone's working together. So it's, it's really important. So you get your voucher and you see your doctors and you get, you know, what you need. You get stable again. Right. And then, you know, you go for it. And I like that there's that navigator to kind of like you kind of talked about before, really take them through that process. Because I think it's really easy for somebody to say, going back to, you know, the pamphlet with the resources, okay, you express that you need this help. Here's a list of people, hand it over and say, come on back when you've checked off Mm -hmm. all these boxes. We'll, we'll, you know, get you on your way. You really need somebody there to to walk them through mm-hmm. some of that process. Mm-hmm. Even sure. I can imagine just getting to those appointments on time. Like right. you said, you don't have a sure. you know, yep. calendar with you to keep track of those t- things all the time. And, yeah. and, you know, when you're dealing with people who have had traumatic situations or that are addicts now, or, you know, maybe they became addicts while they were there on the street, there, there's no real stability there. Mm-hmm. So, you you know... You do need that push and you do need to know that person is going to call you or come to the park where you sleep at um, Mm -hmm. and to make sure that you go because you will go if you, you know, someone's encouraging it and make make sure that you're, you know, hey, you should do this, go do this. And so the navigation part is very important. Right. Yeah. And the whole point for calling it community court is these are community members and we wanted to create a community and integrate them back into the community, right? And and so by calling it homeless court or drug court or mental health court, it, it, A, there's a stigma and B, it's just we're trying to bring 
the rest of our entire community together. Just going back a little bit, mechanically how it works is like someone like Erica would come in and they would meet with a public defender who acts as an advisory council and lets them know, hey, you're going to be waiving your right to a speedy trial. This is voluntary. If you'd like to participate, you can welcome to or you can go through the normal process. And that's when they sit down with a navigator after they said, yeah, I want to try this. And between the navigator and their, their advocate and then them, they come up with a plan on what it is that they need. Now, if someone's already on mental health um, court-ordered treatment or if they have a case manager, we bring the case manager and say, hey, what does this person's treatment plan look like? Do they? What would the provider like them to do? And if it means they need to take medication or whatever it is, that's what we, re- what we require in our, in, our, um, in our path for them. When they get their, their directive, which is the list of things they need to do, then, and when their court dates are, it's mirroring what their treatment provider in the mental health court may be provided for that particular person. So everybody's path is different based on what their needs are as they progress. So then once they get through the process and everything's, um, they, they've successfully completed the program, we do what's called a graduation. We bring them up and we the, the, the advocate says, hey, Erica, has completed everything that we've asked for. She's done this and this. She loves living in her new apartment. And if I remember correctly, she was happy to clean something. She had a place to clean. <laughs> she, she had a, a and shower. Organize. Yeah. Yeah. She and organize. Yeah, and cook. I love to cook. She, yeah. could, she could clean herself whenever she wanted to. And not, 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 let that sink in. Mm-hmm. Being able to clean yourself yeah. whenever you want to mm-hmm. is something we might take for granted every day. Mm-hmm. And then she was really great. She expressed gratitude for not having bugs crawling on her mm-hmm. and, and being able to sleep in a place that was safe. And she thanked everybody for for getting for, get, for opening this door for, her. and then now what we do is we give people a certificate and they they shake hands with a judge and it, it's <laughs> it's not your typical courtroom because yeah. everybody everybody starts <laughs> clapping yeah. and yeah. cheering yeah. and it's 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 an amazing experience it's tearful in many cases and it's just it's just a wonderful thing and so but Erica's path was very short because she didn't have a big stack of problems to work yeah. on she was just basically pushed down by the system. Some people have a big stack of issues, mm-hmm. and their path may take a year. Um, that was actually going to be my next question. So is there a time limit on no. you need, must complete this by this time? No, not necessarily. Okay. And, and, and guess what? People will slip up. Yeah. And are we going to throw them away? No. Um, we, we joke. and I say, well, is this, is this the fourth or second? Fourth or eighth second chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how, how, many, how many last chances are there? And it doesn't yeah. really matter. If yeah. they're willing to continue to progress, we will keep working with them. Yeah. If they don't, then we will ask them if they want to really go adjudicate their stuff on, the, on another path. And I'll be honest with you. Going to spend three days in jail or six months in jail might be easier than overcoming your addiction mm-hmm. and, t- and tackling your mental illness. That those are enormous tasks that we're asking people. It's no easy thing to exit homelessness. Then you start piling all of those other things on. And one point that Erica made earlier about the, the traumatic experiences, uh, Dr. Durfee from ASU's uh, sociology department did a study on our court recently. And we would all expect that the trauma in, in the population is higher. We would all expect the victimization rate is higher. It was so amazingly disparately high. Uh, the national average on sex assault is, is fairly low, thankfully. In this population, women, it was uh, in the 67% range. Mm. Men was in the, 20, in the high 20% range. And it's probably underreported in many cases. Yeah. And, and in many cases, for the men, they reported that it happened early in life. And so they have this trauma in life. And they're stuck in this chaos and trying to deal with it. And, and it's no wonder that they end up in, staying in this chaos. And so now we're introducing trauma-informed care counseling early in the process because if you don't understand why mm-hmm. you have these issues then yeah you know and so and that's why Erica doing what she's doing to help people is so beneficial because she's helping with the physical aspect on that because it's it it is painful to live on the street it's painful to come out of addiction recovery all of these things are just challenges on top of our normal life. And the reality is, is all of us sitting here, we're all normal, right? <laughs> I, I'm not that normal. But, but, but we're, 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 able, we're, like, we're, able, we're able to function. In a, in a, yeah. right? But we're able to function yes. in a period normal because yes. I have a roof over my right. head. I have a right. food in my belly. Right. I have all the stability in my life. Mm-hmm. Take that away. Right. And Eric and I are the same. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. 
going back to some of those other partners, so you've mentioned um, Mark Center, um, and I believe that um, you mentioned a few others. Community Bridges. Community Bridges. Yeah. Um, so who else are some of the kind of key components to really making this program the so, success it is? Yeah, uh, we have several navigators from both Community Bridges, and, and it used to be called Mark Center, now it's called COPA Health. Um, but right. it's, yeah, they just changed their name. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, right. it's still no more descriptive than it used to be. I know. <laughs> but, and then we, the, the big, one of the keys is having, um, mercy care at the table and they have connection through access to the, to the seven different insurance plans so that we can get people the counseling and get them to the, the their, their needs met medically and, and mental health wise. So having them at the table to bring the case managers, if people are already being case managed and tie that in, um, I got to give a lot of, uh, uh, Props to our prosecution, our prosecutor department. This is a really outside the box way of doing something, but it really is prosecution in the interest of justice, right? But a lot of people would look at it and be like, wow, you're just giving people a free pass. <laughs> we are not. No. The path is challenging. Mm-hmm. The path is is not easy in many cases. And all, like in Erica's case, all we need to do is just stop pushing her down. Yeah. You know? And so... Uh, the city has been very, very willing to look at new ways to do things. Uh, the model's now being copied by several other cities. Good, uh, actually, it was going to be my follow-up. I'm like, awesome. okay, that's great, but uh, where else are we? A lot of our, see this? our neighbors are yeah. all ramping up, and and it may look a little different, yeah. right? Yep. Because everybody's got slightly different ingredients, mm-hmm. and so their 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 version may look a little different. But the key that you're trying to achieve is instead of a one-size-fits-all court system, a person-centric court system. What does that person need to succeed? Because mm-hmm. what do we really want? We want them to stop getting arrested and to improve their life, right? Is a $500 fine going to do that? The deterrence model of policing and enforcement does not work for people who have so much chaos in their life that, it, that it's irrelevant. Right. For, it's just one mother piece mm-hmm. of the chaos. It it's, is, not, it it's not really like, oh, okay, whatever. I'll just add it to the pile. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why you have to make it a person-centric case because in erica's case the trespassing she could have uh it could have, would have been up to six months in jail mm-hmm. and that that would be the standard and what do we get for that a we spend you know a bunch of money having her there about eleven thousand dollars for that was about, well, about twelve thousand dollars what we spend just on the incarceration of that not counting the attorneys or anything else and what changes when she gets released right yeah. and by trespassing in your case it was literally just going back to the park just, it was like, ridiculous. It actually. was just sleeping in a place that was a closed business, or you know, the things have changed right. since then. But it was pretty ridiculous mm-hmm. because I mean, I didn't. There were no crimes. Right, it was just sleeping somewhere, right. and then right. you know, I woke up and you know had a flashlight in my face, but and then I would get arrested. Mm-hmm. So things are better now. Yeah. So that's 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 in the past. Um, I wanted to say though, it really. Another point of of how you're not just that the program is not just um, oh you're just giving them free housing you know with that mindset because when you're homeless like that you 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 need that step up to be able to get yourself back to just basic square one you need a place to be homeless shelters are not the key. They are very dangerous. Um, you're dealing with different people with different um, problems. You know, they have addictions or they are, you know, SMI or, but you don't know what's going on. And so you have, you don't really get any rest in a place like that. Um, you can't, you you know, you can't have peaceful time in a place like that. And so otherwise you're working every day to pay for a hotel. So there's no, it's a circle. There's no there's no peace. There's no way to find, you know, a way to just get counseling and really get yourself back so that, like I said, I was depressed so that you're not in that, on that path still because you're just, you're just working one day, you know, you have to get them enough money for the room and you can work at day, day labor. We, my husband and I did that probably the majority of the time we worked, we just were paying $70 a night for a room yeah. and then we have to get groceries and we have to make sure we have clothes. And then if those clothes get stolen, so it keeps going and going and going. So, you know, everyone working together as well as having the voucher, it's important, you know, that those things work to help you get back on your feet. Yeah. So going back to, so as community members, what are some things that we can do um, in our 
you know, daily lives when we're out and about, if we see somebody who's experiencing homelessness, what are some things that we can That's, do that really would be good question? Something to to help that person. Well, yeah. So one thing that we we're really looking uh, to support is the healthy giving model. Um, GiveSmartAZ.org is, is the website, but Phoenix is doing this. And basically, it, instead of just handing somebody a sack lunch at the corner, the city has a great deal of uh, resources uh, invested in places like Paz de Cristo where we have navigators there. We have job services. Uh, we have food. We have food, clothing. We have You can get ID vouchers. So if you're going to give to people, that's fine. Give to people. But get something out of it. Give like Erica has the, the resource card. If you want to give them a bottle of water or a hygiene kit or some food and have the resource card so they can get connected to those places, that's a much better model. On the United Way's website and on the city website, we have a, a donation portion uh, for uh, basically it's like a gap. It's a bridge because like Erica said, shelters aren't the solution. So we have a, a, a fund set up that if um, officers find a family in need or if, if they have someone that really wants to get off the street, we can take them to a motel. And the United Way funds it for a few days and we we have a point for them to be to get clean, to get to get bathe and have our navigators meet them there and then start the process on, on getting there. I think in 2017, officers spent about $20,000 of their own money doing this. And so the city got United Way to build this fund to do this so that we can have this connection point right off. And so you really have to also, as a community member, change your mindset on what you think about homelessness. Mm. And I'll tell you right now, when you say, hey, we need to build more affordable housing and we need to have places for people to live – Nobody really wants that near them. You get the not in my backyard model, right? But you're you're saying Erica's not suitable to live in your neighborhood, you know, and, and that, that's what it really comes down to. And, and in many cases, me, mm-hmm. my family was homeless when I was a kid. And so it, it, what you think about homelessness, you really need to rethink. And so you also need to have a composite of housing model. You can't just say, okay, let's build a 500-bed shelter because that's not going to solve your problem. You need to have vouchers for permanent supportive housing you need to have transitional housing you need to have the whole the whole cross section of what's required so helping with that and then we have uh, plenty of volunteer opportunities uh, i'm sure erica's looking for volunteer opportunities to have people come help her <laughs> expand her her operation yeah so yeah, let's talk about that a little bit so sure. going back was um having your um Having your business, was that something that you had always thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a big dream. You know, this is what I'm going to do. So how did that come about? I've been a therapist for 20 years, Uh and I have not wanted to own my own business. (laughs) Um, I tried that when I got out of school in 99, and I thought, this is not something that I want. I Mm -hmm. just want to be a therapist. Right. And so I'm a really great employee. Um, But uh, I have so many friends that, like I said— they were they became addicted to heroin because mm-hmm. once you come uh when you're on a high dosage of opioids then you're not you don't get them anymore right so you don't you don't get uh that prescription anymore a physician can't can continue to give you that um and so you need to find another solution um so the problem is is your body stops producing its own pain reliever um and when that happens you have to have a pain reliever so what massage does is it uh, boosts the body's own natural pain reliever. They're called endorphins. And so, but what my company does is meets you where you're at because I take insurance so that, um, you know, you can come tell your doctor when you say what I, um, do you have an alternative? Um, I'm looking for, you know, I want to try something more natural. That's what my, that's what I provide. So it's medical massage. You basically come, you get assessment, um, and I do the release. And that's a couple of times. It's not forever. It's not long term. Um, but it helps so that you don't have the, the pain that started everything. Um, and you can use a topical analgesic, you know, to help with the pain, but so that you don't have to have a high dosage of, uh, prescription medication. So that's what I do. Yeah. And that's what helps. Um, and how long have have you been doing this? So uh, I with with uh, with, with, with Olive Branch, yeah. So I launched January first, 
Oh, wow. So, yeah. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm still new. Okay. Um, I'm located on uh, McClintock and Broadway okay. in the America's Health Centers. It's it's oh, okay. a new uh, little strip mall yeah. area there. But there's a bunch of other uh, providers and uh, physicians in that office as well. So, yeah, come see me. Yeah. <laughs> and how would you say, then, your experience, uh, like I said, that's we've talked a little bit about your experience. I think if we really wanted to, we could go into it even deeper. But how would you say then that experience has kind of, I guess, shaped you or helped you now with this new, this new business that you have? So I just, I don't, after, well, so my, my thing was that is that when I had pneumonia, I was, I was septic from head to toe. Um, you know, I almost had kidney failure. Um, everything was shutting down. Um, so after that, I was just kind of like, you Living know, on the street. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I just, I've, I just kind of feel like, you know, there's a reason for us to be here, right? Well, individually, you know. And so, while we're here, we should do the best that we can. You know, why not? Um, because you're not promised tomorrow, right? And it's and you can just easily, you know, not be here, and not to be morbid, but you might as well do what you can while you're here, right? You know? So, <laughs> so yeah. So I just thought, you know, and like I said, it wasn't my goal to be a business owner, um, but I know of people who can help, uh, who could really use the services, mm-hmm. and um, and anyone can, you know, if you have pain and you want to try something different, um, you know. That your physician can write you a prescription or a referral to come, to come get medical massage. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can schedule. It's on my website, www.olivebranchhhc.com. Perfect, and we'll definitely have that information once the show is um, published. We'll definitely have that information okay, for great. people to check you. it out on the website yeah. too. Yeah. So, awesome. yeah, well, good. Yeah. And. You said you just started that on January 1st. January 1st yeah. yeah. So what were some of the um, steps then that you, I mean, like you said, this wasn't really something that you thought you would be at, but what were some of the steps that kind of led you in that direction then? Uh, I had a client who said, this is how, this is what made me change my mind. So I saw about um, Perto Pharma, you know, how they started building rehab centers. And I thought, well, what happens before they become addicts? You know, mm-hmm. what, what, why do they have to become addicts and then go to this great rehab center? Yeah. What happens before then? And then I had a client, she said that she was having pain. Um, I think she had a C-section and her physician wanted to up her dosage and she said no. And I asked her, well, what did you do? And she said, I went and got my medical marijuana card. And I said, you know, I know that what I can do can help. So I just said, I'm going to start a business. And I just went online and looked into what I, what I needed to do. And I just went step by step. You know, I, you don't need a business license here. So I just, you know, got a, um EIN and started the business. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, got, got a website and just keep talking to people about it and, you know, calling around behavior. Because really my goal is to help people. I also thought when I came out of, uh, when I just got my voucher and I was standing on my balcony one day and I'm thinking, because in the area that I was in, there were other people who had graduated community court. Um, and I thought, I wonder how they handle uh, transitioning back into life. You know, if they are interested, because I know a lot of people that were interested in uh, a holistic health care, but I don't even have the money to go pay for an assessment at a naturopathic doctor's office, mm-hmm. you know, I, or, you know, $177 for that and then pay for the treatments. And, you know, so, yeah, so I just thought, you know, it would be a a, a way to help people try natural remedies um, and use their insurance instead of they probably don't have the money to come right out of pocket for it. But it, it it's a step into that into that world. And so you can see about different uh, uh, therapies, like, Mm -hmm. you know, even yoga, meditation, that kind of thing. If you're interested, you know, it's it's a way to bring some peace into a, a, you know, transitional, what am I going to do now kind of thing? You know, where am I going to go? How am I going to handle this? And how do I, how do I gain new friends without being in that same 
situation um do i you know because you don't want to go out and get the old friends that you had for even if it was years but but as humans right it's a human condition that's what we're going to do gravitate towards what we know so you know it's it's it may be a little bit easier if 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 they if they're prescribed um you know uh, uh, a way to to come to a place like mine where they can use their insurance and then you know take the steps to get right. to something else yeah right yeah and Aaron, we talked a little bit about um, kind of some of the other, the model of the community court and how that's kind of growing out. But what are some, what you know, what's in store for the MESA program and, and moving forward with that? Where where do you see it going? You know, it's, um, I think last year we got 431 people in MESA off the street. Wow. And that's 431 miracles. Mm-hmm. Um one guy I know in particular was homeless for 33 years. Mm. And there was a lot of man hours that go into that and, and getting him, you know, motivated to do this. And mm. what what a what an amazing experience, you know, to watch that. What are we doing? We're going to be expanding uh, community court. We've gone from two navigators to five navigators. We're bringing more of our community partners in uh, regularly because the, the demand is there. Uh, on top of that, our entire city is kind of rethinking how we do stuff. So we started with the judicial system. That's that's the first step because you have this connection point. The unfortunate situation is that that's people that have already been judicially involved and have a high level of judicial involvement. Well, why wait for that, mm-hmm. right, to get this service connection? So City of Mesa has been partnering with Mesa Public School District to get some navigators embedded into the school district so that – they get to these families. There was there was twelve hundred kids attending Mesa Public Schools last year that were homeless. Ninety, mm. ninety under the age of fourteen, unaccompanied by an adult. Wow! And if that's not astonishing, I, I don't know what is. Yeah. So getting some navigators that are specific to families and to those things, the, the that population embedded in the school district to help divert people from homelessness and to help get their needs met before they get judicially involved. Mm. They have that organic connection to that to that population that is trying to hide for my system, mm-hmm. right? So the single mom with kids is going to be a tough for me to try and outreach. I could spend days trying to find what parking lot they're in or who they're couch surfing with, whereas the school district resources, they, they have that. So expanding that, uh, we're really looking at what our, our, our on our five-year master plan for housing, what composite of housing we need to have, every single layer, what ratio, and really come with a solid plan. And our city leadership has been really remarkable at letting us just try and do the best things possible for for all of our citizens because we owe we owe a a duty to all the citizens to provide a safe environment in our parks in our libraries and on the streets everybody everybody's owed that um so really pushing forward with uh expanding and working together regionally uh, I know we're working with all the regional cities to try and make sure that we all have the same messaging same programs so we're not pushing people across borders and because and homelessness knows no boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some cities have more than others just because of geographical locations. So it's a lot. There's a lot of work to do. But when you work with people like Erica, it, it totally motivates you. Uh, we, went, we went to lunch. My wife and I went with her and her husband and her mom to lunch about six months ago or so. Yeah. And uh, July. her mom hugged me and thanked me. And I'm trying not to tear up right now, but it was <laughs> it was it was a really my mom <laughs> really, really moving experience yeah. to to you know, and and it wasn't like I did anything miraculous for Erica, but but help some of the obstacles move out of her way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She did all the hard work, but it was just amazing to be a part of that. And and each one of those 431 people last year being a part of that is what motivates me to keep keep doing more. Yeah. Well, awesome, you guys. Like I said, I felt like this was one of like, okay, part one, and we'll be back tomorrow for part two, and then we'll get, you know, because there's just so many layers to this. And, you know, I think you both did just such a great job of talking kind of about, like, the the circle that this all is. It's it's very cyclical how one thing can lead to another, can lead to another, can lead mm-hmm. to another. And if we don't kind of put a stop to that, 
and put those um, those services in place, um, help with the navigation of that system, we're just, it's just going to keep going, go around mm-hmm. and around and around in a circle. Yeah. And how do we kind of move that, you know, into a trajectory of something positive and positive change for the city? And it sounds like you're mm-hmm. definitely on on track for that. And it's, We're trying. You're trying, yeah. But, you know, and, but you're, but you're still doing it. And it sounds like you've still got the support for it. And like you Indeed. said, as much as you said, you know, you just needed to get out of, um, Erica's way, it sounds a lot too like the city is, you know, saying, okay, let's step back from this. Your boots on the ground. You're seeing this every day. Okay. So let's, let's let you, mm-hmm. you know, try these things out because you can see this firsthand every day and, sure. and the opportunity that that's, that's given to you and just amazing what that has, that it's has really turned It's pretty courageous into. for our city to allow us to do this and the city yeah. leadership to, yeah. to, to move forward with this. Uh, once they realize that it's 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 more cost effective and it's it's more humane and mm-hmm. it's more efficient, mm-hmm. it was a no brainer. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we are running out of time here, so we're going to wrap up. Um, I know you both have mentioned a couple of different websites and outreach and things like that. We'll definitely make sure we get those things in on the website once this is published. But here's your last opportunity if you want to plug a website or ways for people to help out. Erin, I'll start with you. Where's a good place for somebody if they're listening right now, they're listening to this as a podcast, and they say, oh my gosh, I need to do something about this. Where's a good place for them to start? So uh, the city has its own website on reducing homelessness, and it has my cell phone number on there as well as email. You're welcome to contact me. Uh, we have a donation button, like I said, that links to the United Way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always always reach out to the Macy United Way and donate there. If you go to like Just Serve or some of the other websites and you can look up service opportunities, there's plenty of service opportunities. And I'll tell you right now, going out and helping people is the best antidepressant you're going <laughs> to find mm-hmm. when you're having a hard day. And you go help somebody. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's only going to help. Right, right. And Erica, how about you? Want to give your contact sure. information one more time, that sure. website? So my company is Olive Branch Holistic Healthcare. Uh, I provide medical medical massage, um, a complimentary pain management treatment. And my website is www.olivebranchhhc.com. And even, too, if you are looking for resources, if you're homeless, you can call me or email me. I can help you out. Great. Thank you so much, both of you. You've been listening to 3C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact. And we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. If you are a fellow change maker and want to build connections, create relationships, and collaborate with others to make positive change, join the online community built to support and engage people like you wanting to amplify their impact in communities around the world. Visit 3CAmplified.com slash community to learn more. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline DeStremps with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a digital marketing strategy to put your organization's mission in front of your target audience and highlight the impact you're having in your community. Mm -hmm.